This is Sustainable Photography. I'm Ingvild Kolnes and I shot my first wedding in the UK in 2010. I charged £150 and we had our booking meeting in the back of their car in a Tesco parking lot. The train fare to get to my second wedding cost more than what I got paid for it. Fast forward to today, my highest booking client paid me about 100 times that for more or less the same thing. Why? Well, it's a mix of experience, skills, building my brand and getting good at marketing. And also just believing that it's possible to charge higher prices and not holding myself back. In the 11 years I've been photographing weddings, I have learned so much. So today you're getting a wedding photographer special. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, where you get support and education to build your profitable business in a way that supports your way of living. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and after 11 years as a photographer, I want to share what I've learned with you. So if you're looking for confidence, inspiration, and to-the-point tips, keep listening. For full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I might mention some of those in this episode. Wedding photography is usually very different from other kinds of photography, like portraits, family sessions, newborns, business branding, etc. You're usually booked far in advance, and you're usually very involved in the whole process. There is a lot of communication and planning involved, and you work long days. You also deliver tons of photos, and in one day you do detail shots, event photography, couple portraits, large group photos, without getting much of a break, and with the light and weather conditions that happen to be that day. You have one shot of getting things right. There are no do-overs of the ceremony or the speeches or anything else. Even though this is supposed to be a couple's happiest day, you often have to deal with very stressed people and you have to be their emotional support. People might get in your way and you just have to deal with them. But just like any other kinds of photography, you choose your style. You choose what kinds of weddings you want to do. You choose if you want to be more of a documentary photographer or like a high-end, more fashion vibe style photographer. You choose what lenses suit you, if you want to use flash or not, whatever camera settings that you like and are happy with. You choose how you edit, how you compose and what way you tell stories. That's all up to you. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I started out at the very bottom and very slowly I've worked my way up and I would definitely not recommend following my example. So whether you want to shoot weddings or other things, you have to figure out what you need to charge. Now, don't look at others because they might not have any idea what they're doing and their numbers are theirs, you have yours. You have to figure out your work capacity and your expenses. Then your job is to get good enough so that someone is willing to pay. You have to build your brand and you have to share your work and what you stand for. Please trust me on this. If you start with lower prices and work your way up, it will take so much longer. And you're part of devaluing the market that you want to be a part of and your clients will respect you less. And the weddings that you get to shoot are usually not that great. So you can't really use them in your portfolio going forward anyway. And not to mention, 
you're less likely to get referred by other photographers because your prices are so low. Now, all my podcast episodes are more or less about all these things. So do listen to them if you want to learn more about this stuff and send me a DM on Instagram over at Ingrid Colnes. Make sure that you get on the waitlist for my mentor program called the Sustainable Photography Program. And if you want some help right now, sign up for a discovery call and we can talk about what your options are. For this episode, let's focus on the practical stuff that's involved in wedding photography. Okay, so you need a workflow. The more detailed this is, the better and more consistent of an experience you can offer your clients. And it'll be easier for you because you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time. You just follow the steps in your workflow. And the more experienced you get, the more detailed this can be. And it's, it's a work in progress. Don't expect this to be like a one-time one thing. The first step of the workflow is when a potential client gets in touch with you. Since wedding photography is such a big commitment for the both of you, you probably want to start off with a meeting before you know if you want to book the wedding or not. There's also an empowering factor when you know that it's your call, if you want to take them on or not. You also want to make sure that you sign a contract and have a part of your fee paid. Add the booking to your calendar so you don't double book. What preparations that you do really depends on how you work and what kind of a role you play. Do you help them out with planning? Do you want to get to know the couple? Do you offer them an engagement shoot? Do you follow up with them as it's getting closer to the date? That's all up to you and you can do whatever you want and whatever feels right to you. But you have to make it clear. I give my couples tips on how they can get the most out of their day and how they can get the best possible photos. I follow up with them six months ahead and two months before their date and I ask a lot of questions to get to know them, to get to know who to tag in the photos, like who their florist is and stuff like that. And we have a booking meeting and a meeting like a week or two before their date, where we go through the timeline of the day. I also talk about what I need from them, like asking about parking arrangements outside the venue or where I can sit during the dinner and check if they've asked the efficient if there are any restrictions during the ceremony. This is both to educate, to inform, and to make sure that the photos will turn out as good as possible. Your process can look completely different. There's no right or wrong. But one thing that is really important though is backup. If you're going to be a wedding photographer, you can't take backup lightly. I use two memory cards in my cameras and I use two cameras and I have a lot of extra memory cards, batteries, lenses, and even extra camera straps in my bag. When I get home, I upload and back up my images immediately, and until they're delivered, I have them in four different locations, both on a local hard drive and in the cloud. You really can't be too careful with these things, so just make sure that your routines are in order. And the things that I do, the things that I have um, added to my process, it's all part of experience. I've had camera straps break, I have lost images, I've had clients be unhappy due to how, how the weather turned out. So everything that I have learned is added into my process because there's a lot to it and it's hard to know everything in the beginning. If you shoot all day weddings, you're in for a long day. Just bring plenty of snacks and food and drink and a cooler doesn't hurt either. 
Sometimes your only break is driving from point A to point B and the difference between a cold drink and a bottle of water that's been sitting in the sun for an entire day is enormous. Small things like that can make a much better day. So set yourself up for feeling your best. Bring a change of clothes and be prepared for weather changes. A change of shoes halfway through the day can make you feel pretty good too. I also bring umbrellas and an emergency kit with like painkillers and tape and a pen and you never know what you might need and you might also want to bring some stuff for your couple if that fits your brand profile too. Weddings look, they look different all over the world but in general there are some sort of preparations. Some have their friends and family with them, some do them together, others don't want to see each other at all before the ceremony or their first look. I try to get my couples to choose a hotel or to get ready at home instead of at a salon because most salons aren't that photogenic and it also removes stress from the day which is a huge part of what I emphasize in my brand. You have to think about what's important to you and your couples and you should help your clients to make the best choice. Some couples choose to have a first look before the ceremony and this can be arranged however you want it to. Be prepared that you have to take charge and decide what will work and what won't. Tell the couple your plan, where they have to be and when to do what. Some choose to read letters, others don't actually want to see each other and do some kind of a first touch. Some do prayers and some would rather stick to just seeing each other during the ceremony. And ceremonies are of course also different from each other. At more of like a standard ceremony, I choose to be standing near the efficient and I get a photo of them entering. If they walk in together, I can focus on them. And if one of them is standing at the altar or near the efficient, I can switch between the two of them. I try to be as discreet as possible, as that is my MO, but you do you. It's usually a good idea to clear you moving around with the efficient. And actually, I have my couple do this first, because if it's not okay, at least I've heard it from someone else, instead of me breaking the bad news. Usually, there's time for portraits right after the ceremony. But as you know, it's usually not the best time, so I always try to get my couples to set aside some time during sunset as well. When it comes to what works and what doesn't work, and all the things that I'm choosing to add as backup, it all stems from experience. You can learn from others, you can take my word for it, or you can just make your own mistakes and see how it goes. And you also need to know, after shooting a wedding, you are probably quite exhausted. You need to know that wedding day hangover is very real. Even though most non-wedding photographers can't relate, every wedding photographer knows what I'm talking about. You feel tired, your body hurts, your world is spinning, and you might feel sick. I never make plans the day after a wedding, and if I have a long drive home after a wedding, it's usually quite painful. Drinking and eating as much as you can during the wedding day can help, and so can getting enough sleep. I don't know what that hungover feeling comes from, but after talking to a lot of photographers about it, we think it's due to being so full of adrenaline and being so on for a long amount of time, without any breaks, with little food and drink, that that's what just causes it. As soon as I get home, as I mentioned, I do backup of the images, and once they're uploaded and backed up, it's time to get started on the post-production. I use Photo Mechanic to call the images. That program 
makes the photos load super fast and I don't have to import lots of photos that I don't want to keep into Lightroom. I usually go through them twice and I start with two stars to photos that I want to keep each time. Two stars and then I remove the non-starred images. I remove all stars and then I start over. If I see any photos that I think will make a good GIF, I'll give them one star. Then I add them all to Lightroom and I add my presets and then I call once more. This time, I also add five star to my absolute favorite, four stars to my other favorites that I might want to use as a preview for the couple and for my website and social media, and three stars to any that works on my blog. That way, I've already selected what I need for later and I've saved a ton of time. I rename the photos when I'm done culling and upload a few favorites to pick time and send my clients a preview. I also remind them of the delivery time for the rest of the gallery. These kinds of reminders, I do them all along the process of working with my couples, like just like little things, like reminding them of when we're meeting, how long delivery time is, what to expect from the edits, all those little things, because people don't hear you the first time usually. So it's nice to say it again and again. Sometimes I export the whole gallery as a catalog and I send it off to get edited by my lovely editor Marion. And sometimes I edit myself. I do about 99.99% in Lightroom as I'm not a fan of Photoshop. And then I upload the images to PicTime and I email my clients to let them know. I also offer my clients albums or prints, but if you want to make product sales part of your process, then you really need to start early on. Let them know before they even book you that the goal is for them to have an album or a print on the wall to enjoy. Mention it when you meet them and say things like, oh, this would look so good in an album. And then when you offer it to them, it's something that they've already been introduced to. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, saying no to clients is even more important for wedding photographers than other photographers. And that's because there's only so many wedding dates that are likely to get booked and you don't want to fill them up with the wrong kinds of clients. And by wrong, I of course mean wrong for you and your brand. Because you will get more of what you do and show. At a wedding, there are so many likely referrers and so many people that will see your images. It's such a wasted opportunity if you're shooting too many weddings that you don't enjoy. If you're new to wedding photography, it can definitely feel daunting. There's a lot to learn and the pressure is high since you only have one shot of getting things right and you can't really ask for a do-over. So if you're new, maybe you can get the chance to second shoot with a more experienced photographer and learn from them. Many photographers start off with low prices because they're new in hopes of getting experience and learn. That's understandable. But there is a big problem with this. Most, if not all, photographers I see doing this don't actually tell their clients why their prices are low. Now, I made this mistake myself, so I'm not here judging anyone. I had lower prices than the photographers around me because I was new, and I didn't mention it anywhere. So, of course, my clients, and yours as well if you're doing this, they'll just think that they've gotten a really good deal. But you and I... We're the professional part, so it's our job to inform our clients of anything and everything that they need to know. And if you don't think that you have enough experience to charge full rates, 
then your clients deserve to know that. And maybe you should actually start photographing friends and family and second shoot before you charge at all. Because if you start off with low prices, it's, it's actually really hard to work your way up. And you'll quickly get the reputation of being cheap if you're not careful. So, once again, one of the first things that you should do is work out your prices. And not by looking at what anyone else is charging, but what you need to charge to make a living. That way, it's harder for you to lower your prices and it makes it possible for you to stand your ground when someone tells you that you're too expensive. Because whether you're at the bottom or at the top of the scale, that is going to happen. And to be honest, it happens way less to me now that I'm at the higher end of things than it used to happen. I used to hear all the time that I was too expensive. Even even way back when I was charging so little that I was in reality spending money to photograph people's weddings, I used to hear that I was too expensive. So don't listen to the people who tell you you're too expensive. Figure out what you need to charge and then start there. I actually get a lot of requests by photographers to go second shooting with me. And unfortunately, I rarely have the option to do this, especially since I almost exclusively shoot elopements, which is all about privacy and and the couple wanting to be by themselves. But if you get to know photographers, I bet there are some out there who will take you along. But blindly emailing or messaging others to ask if you can tag along is really not the best approach. When, when you're second shooting for someone, you are representing their brand and it's not so easy to take someone along that you don't know. And you always have to have an agreement with the main photographer so that you know what they're expecting from you. Maybe it's a paid job. Maybe you're an assistant who's there to gain experience. Maybe you're allowed to use the images for your portfolio. Maybe not. There's no right, no wrong, like always, but... You have to have an agreement with the photographer that you're there to shoot for. Or if you're the one bringing someone along with you, then you have to make sure that they know what they're allowed to do and not. You set the expectations and the restrictions. Another thing to be careful of is booking too far in advance. Your prices will or should go up on a regular basis. Because you gain experience, you have to account for inflation and hopefully... You do your job well and you'll be more sought after. If you book weddings far in advance, like a year or two or three, you'll be losing out because you've been locking in your prices. So just be very mindful of that. Another thing I want to talk about is wedding planning. Because not all couples use wedding planners, especially not in Europe. To this day, I have still never worked with a wedding planner. That means that it often falls on the photographer to take charge of the timeline and making sure that there's enough time for portraits and that everything runs smoothly. If you just stand back and let things happen, it might mean that the photos don't really turn out the way that you had planned and hoped. So don't be scared to give your opinion as an experienced photographer. You probably know way more than the couple. The truth is, though, that you will make mistakes. Things won't always go according to plan. And even though you have told your clients how things work, they won't hear you a lot of the time. So what to do? You have to learn from your mistakes. Every time you shoot a wedding, 
why not record yourself doing a recap of the day when you're heading home? What went well? What went wrong? What can you do differently next time? Can you give your clients information in a different way if they didn't hear you? Can you specify what happens if they don't set aside enough time for portraits or if they don't take a break until the sun has already set? And remember, it doesn't help if the information is there in your contract, because honestly, most people don't read that and they certainly don't remember it a year or two or three after they signed it. The goal here isn't to be right, it's to have happy clients. So giving information is key. And if you want to know more about this, make sure that you listen to the solo episode from two weeks ago, which was all about making your clients feel great when working with you. That's it for today. If you have any questions or if you're curious about working with me, just go over to Instagram at Ingvild and send me a DM. Thanks for listening to Sustainable Photography. Head over to Instagram at Ingvild to tell me what you want future episodes to be all about. Check out the show notes over at ingvildkolnes.com podcast. You can learn more about the Sustainable Photography Program and sign up for the waitlist there. To get more of this content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Your support makes all the difference. Talk soon.